0: listening to the Oily Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry.
1: You're listening to the Only Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 260. What's up, Mark?
0: It's spring break time.
1: It is spring break time, and the traffic shows it.
0: Yep, and at least today it's kind of springy in Houston. Yeah. yeah we'll see what the well, weather Well, it wasn't tomorrow. like
1: two days ago. <laughs> two days ago I was wearing, you know, a frickin' parka.
0: Uh, speaking of wearing stuff, it looks like we got a review and somebody wore out their pencil.
1: Oh, or yeah. I got carpal Tunnel. <laughs> Thank you for providing informative and thought-provoking episodes. It allows me to stay on top of the news when winter season gets too busy. One topic you mentioned that resonated with me was when you discussed Anadarko empowering their employees to spread energy literacy within their communities, specifically Colorado. We've decided to do something similar with RSPE members here in Calgary by starting a series where oil and gas companies can discuss their initiatives to improve ESG. Each month a different topic will be discussed, diversity and inclusion, CCUS, First Nations, Indigenous engagement, etc. That several companies will provide examples of where they have improved on this topic. This will be a non-technical and in terms that your neighbor could understand. My mother and her book club have signed up. I love it. <laughs> so big thank you for giving us to the idea on energy literacy outreach. Darren P.S. Boomer
0: sooner. <laughs> get out of here with that. Hey Darren, appreciate the five star <laughs> review. And look, audience members, copy what Darren did, right? Well, you not used... not word for word. Let's not word no, no no, I don't mean the review. <laughs> I mean get engaged with your local communities. The fact that Darren has his mother's book club joining them, that is incredible. It's awesome. So you know, Not my idea originally, I've just spread it. And Darren, it looks like you're taking something and running with it. I challenge you audiences for you to take something like this and run with it and let us know about it.
1: All right, let's get into the news stories. First one up, Biden suspends oil drilling leases in Alaska's Arctic
0: Refuge. Yeah, it's a great time to suspend oil and gas exploration activity right now. I mean. <laughs> not going to go too deep into here. This has been contentious between the Republicans and Democrats all the way back to... Shoot, this might go back all the way back to Carter. I mean, this is been really? wow. going back and forth for a long time. A couple of things. I
1: guess Biden said, hold my beer. Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> a couple of things. So if somebody's going to drill in the Arctic, you want it to be us, right? If right. somebody's going to drill in Alaska, you want it to be us because we will make sure that we take care of the environment. If something bad happens like a spill, we will report it and just make sure that everything's done properly as opposed to other companies expiration production companies coming in and doing it the second thing is i live in the wonderful state of texas it's one of the most beautiful states in the country the wildlife is incredible there's all wells everywhere you can responsibly have all wells and wildlife how do i know that i have a degree in wildlife management among other things so this is just political posturing now the other thing is up until this, say this last month the actual prices of crude weren't high enough to make it worthwhile for people to even drill in Alaska. Yeah. It's expensive to drill there because of the, the environment, because of right. the weather. Well, now with the crude over $100 a barrel, it is worth it. But even if this was turned around and it was approved to drill in Alaska, it would be years before we'd see that production come online. Right. So this is just our current administration doing whatever the opposite is they need to be doing at this time in history. I mean, this is crazy to even have this as a headline, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah. So the next one is, in an about face, Biden administration calls on U.S. and oil and natural gas industry to increase production.
0: Okay. And it's really interesting page. I had a conversation with a very intelligent peer of mine who I've known for 30 years. And one of the things that came out of his mouth was, well, you know, the oil and gas companies are just making a fortune all this. So I want want to stop right there and, (laughs) and throw some common sense out there because it's needed. So first thing is, you don't Just turn on a taps where an oil comes out. It is so much work in leasing and permitting and exploration and all the geophysics that you have to do and the drilling before you can get to the point where you hit oil. Then you got to get it to market. So there's no way we can just turn on the pumps and we increase production. Number two is one of the things that's going on right now is this administration has made it very clear they do not like the oil and gas industry and they're going to do stuff to curtail its output. Now, this is before what happened in Russia and Ukraine. Now they're turning 180 degrees and say they want more production. I don't believe them. And neither does the oil and gas industry What the industry is worried about right now is the fact that if they would somehow magically be able to increase production, as soon as the conflict was over in Ukraine and Russia, and as soon as crude prices and natural gas prices drop back to normal, which by the way, won't happen for years, yep. that they'll come right back at us. And then finally, most of the oil in this country, and I mean, when I say most close to 90% is produced by independent operators, those independent operators don't have enough cash to drill wells. So they always borrow money. Well, capital has been tied up because if you're an investor and you're getting ready to write somebody a check for, say, $10 million to go drill a well and you're expecting a return on that money, the biggest thing you're worried about is our own government. Will the government change something so I never get a return on my money? So right now you're not giving the capital that's needed to actually go in production. It's really funny. There's some quotes in here from, like, Secretary Graham Hole and somebody asked her how she planned to increase domestic oil and gas production. Now, this was last year. She laughed. She thought the question was hilarious. It's not so funny now, is it, Senator Graham hole So, you know, the current administration can say whatever it wants in public. We need action. We need secure capital. The industry itself needs to understand that the federal government will not come back and try to hurt us from a, a business point of view. And the public has to understand it's going to take a year. if we. And when I say a year, that's, like, really almost <laughs> – that's me really cutting it in half. It really yeah. should take two years. But we could increase production in a year, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. So this is just the normal political stuff that goes on when the people aren't happy because of the price at the pump.
1: Right, All right. So the next one is indigenous communities offered 10% stake in coastal gas link project.
0: This is awesome. So this is TC Energy Corporation, which I believe we talked about either last time or the time before that was attacked. Remember with the axes and everything? Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it was either the last show or the show before that. Well, what they're doing here is because they're crossing some native tribal land, instead of just trying to buy a right away, they go, look, why don't you partner with us? Why don't we give you an equity stake and you help us support, build, and run this pipeline? So not only is the indigenous tribes going to get an equity stake or so they get some ownership so they gonna get a piece of the profit margins – they're going to be the first place that TC Energy goes to to hire people to build this pipeline. It's going also be the first place TC Energy goes to get people to run this pipeline. So you're talking about a whole bunch of short-term jobs and then a, quite a few longer-term jobs that's all going to be offered to the indigenous tribes first. I love this. This is how it should be done. You partner with the people that don't necessarily understand what you're doing and you bring them behind the fold and you let them see. You let them see everything that you're doing. Now all of a sudden, it's not big, scary pipeline company. Now it's just... A company trying to move LNG from one part of Canada to the other—that everybody benefits. Actually, the whole world benefits from that. So, I just think from a doing business in a good way, literally from an ESG point of view, this was genius and it was well deserved. So,
1: I just hope they have better luck than they did with the Keystone. Yeah, well, that's a different. Story I know, across but still, borders, but yeah, I know, I know. All right, so the next one is women have revolutionized energy historically and today. And this is a really great article I found. As everybody knows, it's International Women's Day last week. We had a mixture about it. We got insight on people's lives and experiences on breaking the bias. And here's a little bit about some women that have helped revolutionize energy. So let's see. Let's start. Jenna Compejos, Operations and Maintenance Coordinator for Alaska and Valdez, Alaska, said that her recent API, State of American energy roundtable. I worked for the oil and gas industry for 15 years now. And the white male perception is an old perception. I feel like diversity is in the forefronts of our minds that give me inspiration, knowing that I could potentially be that someday. And that's really neat.
0: Such a great thing to hear that somebody's taking an old white male thing is now an old perception. That just makes me feel good.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've had women figure out how to move from fireplaces to central heating using petroleum feedstocks to change the world with Kevlar invisible glass windshield wipers one lady was a real estate developer and a rancher and she visited New York City in 1902 and she rode on a trolley car where she had the driver had opened the panes of the front window to see through the falling sleet once she returned home she began working on her invention her device, Used a lever inside the vehicle to control a rubber Wiper. blade. Yeah. That's is awesome. that not cool?
0: i tell you what's cool is the fact that little girls now can look at the whole gas industry and go, my place is there. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. come a long way. It wasn't like that when I first got started as industry. I'm damn well happy that we're here now.
1: Yeah, I mean, petroleum is the basis for the life-sustaining equipment, such as medical syringes, emergency life rafts. They've come as far as increasing home security and efficiency, you know, a home security system. Women were involved in that. My favorite part is the dishwashing machine. (laughs) Because I myself could not live without that. I just don't have time. But anyway, thought it was really neat. This is definitely in the show notes if you want to read through most of this yourself. Good find, Paige. All right. So the next one is oil drops on Ukraine and Russia talks.
0: Yeah. So this is just another piece of the proof... Puzzle that <laughs> speculation is as much an influencer in this industry as facts. So, the actually, peace talks didn't happen. The actual Russians backed out last minute. However, the price of oil dropped substantially today because they thought they were going to have peace drops. It really had nothing to do with supply <laughs> and demand, but it's legitimate, right? So, even the futures are dropping. They're down almost 6% in the last three days. What do I think is going to happen? I think Putin's in a really interesting space. And by the way, he doesn't call me. This is me guessing what's going through his head. You know, like I said in the last year, I really thought he was just going to run through Ukraine with no problem. Obviously, that has not happened. The people there are putting up fierce resistance. There's no way, even if he takes Ukraine, that he can hold it. So, number one, if they enter peace talks, he's going to take a black eye to his own people. Mm-hmm. But that may be better than tanking their entire economy because of what the world's boycotting Russian oil, which is what most of their economies run on. But the peace talks are actually supposed to pick back up tomorrow, and it's really interesting. The president of Ukraine is addressing, guess who today, Paige? Who? U.S. Congress. Oh? Which makes me think that tomorrow the peace talks will actually take place. Well. whole bunch of stuff going back and forth. A couple of things that I want to just make note here that actually they don't talk about here. But, you know, you hear people talk about NATO should have a no-fly zone over Russia. First thing, Russia has banned almost all airlines from flying over its airspace. So now the commercial airlines are having to go the long way around the world instead of over Russia. That's not good. That's a lot more fuel. And yeah, everything. it is. The other thing, though, coming from a military background, once you impose a no-flight zone, you know what that means? What? That means if somebody violates, you got to shoot the plane down.
1: Or you could use cucumbers.
0: That's another, yeah, another story. <laughs> but what we don't want to do is escalate violence even further by shooting down Russian fighters.
1: Oh, right. No, so we yeah.
0: don't want to have a no-fly zone because then somebody has to enforce it, and that means somebody's going to shoot down a Russian fighter or bomber or whatever, and which that will would, escalate things. Yeah. Right. So let's we obviously keep an eye on this. The biggest driver on the high crude prices right now, and the high prices at the pump, literally, is the market itself. There's not enough crude out there, and you'll have people say, "Well, we don't import that much Russian oil. It doesn't matter." Some country buys that Russian oil, which means that now that they're not buying it, they have to buy that oil from somewhere else, which then decreases the global supply, which is why prices are going through the roof. And they will continue to go through the roof, unfortunately, for probably most of this year, no matter what happens in the Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So the next one is Canada looking at boosting oil pipelines
0: flow to U.S., says Minister. Now back to your early comment. What was that little project called, Paige? I think the Keystone. Yeah, maybe somebody should have thought through that a little bit more before they canceled it. So now what's going on is Canada's like, look, we got to help the U.S., we got to help the rest of the world. We have the crew that everybody needs. We're just struggling to get it to the U.S. because of the lack of keystone among other things. And so what they're doing is they're taking some pipelines and they're reversing flows. They're also increasing rail and truck, which by the way, the worst way to move crude oil is on rail or in trucks, yep. but it's what they have to do. Cause there's not enough pipeline capacity. And they're literally just trying to bundle pipelines together. Even though those pipelines belong to different operators, just to try to get the crew down here to the Gulf coast, where about, I think it's close to 80% of the U S refining capacities is in the Gulf coast. This is just a mess that would, we wouldn't even be talking about if we had the infrastructure in place but we don't. And unfortunately, I don't think Keystone, no matter what happens, is ever coming back. There's a bunch of smaller projects to help bring that Canadian crew down here. It just have not been finished yet. So I think it's actually kind of cool that Canada is trying to help. If it was me, I'd have to almost maybe raise the middle finger and go, I tried this with Keystone. Now mm-hmm. you need me. Uh-uh. Yeah. So thank you, Canada, <laughs> yeah, for thank not holding a grudge.
1: <laughs> All right. So the next one is AFPM, the role of U.S refiners in the global market.
0: So this is really interesting. If you get a chance, people read this. You know, if you think about refining, so taking hydrocarbons and turn it to stuff you can sell, the refining part of the business aren't price takers. They're price makers, right? Mm-hmm. So they buy the crude oil, and natural gas, and they turn it stuff at uh, a markup, at a profit, and they sell. And it touches every part of modern life, like you mentioned earlier, even the syringes in the hospital. But the other thing about the U.S. refineries, and you've heard me say this before, is we're one of the few countries that can handle and actually desire that heavy, complex crude that's a technology challenge to refine. And we do it environmentally responsibly. If the demand for these refined products shift outside the U.S. because of our current administration, like China, you want to guess where a bunch of refineries and petrochemical plants are being built right now, by the way, Paige? China? China, yeah. Then that market is going to move from the U.S. to China. Now- when the refinery – we'll pick the Chevron Pascagoula refinery in Pascagoula Mississippi. They just had an incident a couple of days ago where two barges collided at their terminal, right? It wasn't that big a deal. Nobody got hurt. But not only was it reported, but they deployed a containment boom just in case. Do you think they even have containment <laughs> booms in China? <laughs> they don't. I'm telling you now they don't. And Which, by the way, for our listeners that are Chinese or Chinese-American, I'm not picking on China. What I'm picking on is a lot of the world – that wants to refine products aren't as environmentally responsible as we are bottom line here or, or in They Europe, just don't somewhere. have the yeah.
1: regulatory. They don't have
0: the regulatory. They don't have the desire. They don't have the punishments, right? There's no retribution if they spill. So if we're not careful and the refining business, which is here in the U S which is really a great business moves outside the U S number one, it won't come back because it's too big an investment in infrastructure, to build refineries. Number two, it's going to be worse for the planet. Right. And guess who's going to pay elevated costs for their products, like their soccer balls, their lipstick, their contact lenses, their shirts. We will. We will, yeah. Because the raw finished product is not here in the U.S. It'll be coming from China. Right. So this is a, actually a really good, good, really good article. It goes deep into the details. I mean, it also takes jobs away. Absolutely. And so it's critical for the U.S. to stay in the refinery, stay in the downstream part of the business. So, you know, knock on wood, our current administration hasn't figured out what downstream is yet. They, they don't even know, so they haven't touched it. Let's hope it stays that way.
1: All right. So the next one is ExxonMobil finalizes commercial sale of certified circular polymers.
0: So basically, Exxon has found a buyer, an enormous buyer, Barry Global. We had food from Sam's the other day, mm-hmm. right? The plastic lid that was on that food was made by Barry. They're one of the largest manufacturer of, oh. of food and beverage packaging world. Nobody ever hears of. It's one of those companies that nobody ever hears of. Well, you don't really
1: need to hear from them because they are huge, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Exxon's basically saying, look, we have the technology. It sounds like a $6 million man commercial if you're that old. <laughs> we have the technology. Why don't we partner and let's actually start recycling this plastic, which is good for everybody. It's cheaper for you, Barry, right? You have to buy the raw plastic. It's better for the environment. And Exxon will make a couple of dollars off of it. So this is a win-win all the way around. And speaking of women, Karen McKee, who's the president of Exxon Mobile Chemical Company, who I've actually met, she has a quote which I love. Our extended technology helps us meet the growing demand for certified circular polymers, so basically recycled plastic, particularly in food contact applications, also where plastic products provide key sustainability benefits. So I just think this is awesome. I know we last couple of weeks we talked a lot about Exxon, where they're doing some really cool stuff. And you want to know where this plant is?
1: Is it here in Texas? Baytown.
0: Oh, is it? <laughs> <Baytown>. <laughs> there you so go. So if you work for this plant for Exxon Baytown, reach out to me. I would love to get a tour, maybe shoot some video or something. I would love to show the world what Exxon is doing as far as recycling plastic.
1: So the next one is funny animal terms in the oil and gas industry. I
0: didn't do this. What did you do, Mark? There's so much doom and gloom right now. And I don't mean doom and gloom as far as prices and jobs. I mean doom and gloom as far as this close to <laughs> World <laughs> War Three. I thought I'd throw some humor in here. I feel like you did this at a mixer once. I've done this before. You and I have actually done this on the show before, but oh, back okay. then it was around oil field slang. Mm. This is oil field slang that also includes animals. Okay. So a lot of it I didn't know. So this is one you, I bet we both know. What is fishing?
1: Oh, well, it's when you have to go and fish out whatever fell in the hole.
0: Yeah. So you basically, there's something stuck in the borehole and you yeah. got to get out. It's called fishing. But have you ever heard of elephant feet? No. Me neither. Horizontal plates on top of the towing pins, which turn inward to trap the wire in the resulting rectangular space. How about, oh, we talked about this one before, donkey dick. What? (laughs) We've talked about this before, donkey dick. A slim, long
1: rubber tube like a bladder used on the inside of a pressure sensor. I don't know why I don't remember this. This is
0: pretty. The (laughs) other, keep reading, the other definition is more applicable. Oh, Oh,
1: also long snout, flexible rubber used on the end of, on logging tubes as a guide
0: And sometimes mostly steel, I guess. Doghouse, I bet we both know that one.
1: Yeah, that's where you sit to drill. Where the driller sits, yeah. Driller sits, yeah.
0: How about chicken wing? I've never heard that one either.
1: No, but I'm starting to get hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Steel post insulator standoff for distribution construction. Pelican hook. Don't know. (laughs) Pig livers. (laughs) A (laughs) pelican hook is a wire securing (laughs) device. Pig livers, special yokes used on a high... Extra high voltage lines are dead ends.
0: Then a wait, spider wait, wait, wait. coupling. Start along the lines of donkey dick. What's a rabbit? A
1: short cylindrical piece of metal that you drop through a piece of drill pipe to make sure its interior diameter is fully opening to allow coring and logging tools to pass through.
0: I like sheep shank. Sounds like what sheep do in prison. <laughs> <laughs>
1: not to shorten up a line of (laughs) rope.
0: (laughs) Anyway, folks, you want to have some fun read this. Actually, a lot of this I didn't know, which made it really cool. These are interesting, to say the least. Well, my question is, because I found that on LinkedIn, Oracle LinkedIn, somebody had to take the time to do all that research. I need to go back and see who that is. Chicken
1: catcher, arm sling. Yeah, these are pretty interesting.
0: It's easy, fun read, plus you'll learn something. Yeah. Speaking of learning stuff, if you want to go hang out in the canon and learn all you want, you can have a desk for free. Just go to the front. And say, hey, I'm with OGGN. They'll give you a day pass, no questions asked. No IBM shirts anymore. We'll update you if we ever decide to give something away because none of y'all actually reached out. That's not true. Got- That's
1: not true, people. A lot of people said coins, and yeah. I'm kind of leaning toward and that. And I like too. that idea, I do too.
0: too. we got to get Jason on board with that. Weekly recount, page. where are we?
1: United States is at 663, up 13. Canada's at 206, down 11. Internationally, we're at 813, down 28.
0: Yeah, still decent numbers. And it was interesting to watch a price drop below $100 today for WTI. They go right back up. Last time I checked, it was 107 At, at that numbers, people are going to start going production as they can.
1: yeah.
0: As they can, you can go to LinkedIn, join anything that says OGGN. Just make sure it's us because there's another OGGN out there.
1: Is there?
0: Yeah, on LinkedIn there is. Oh, uh, yeah, So that's yeah, why yeah, we're yeah. listed as Oil & Gas Global Network yeah, instead that of OGGN. Yeah, and then, you know the deal, if you'd like to get a big shout out on our first Friday Q&A, send a question to help educate the audience. Remember, the goal is not to stump Page and I. The goal is to ask interesting questions. Either go to OGGN.com or oilandgasthisweek.com. Either way, you can submit your questions. And then if you want to know about all the oil and gas events that are really starting to pick back up like crazy, I get my monthly oil and gas events email newsletter. It's completely free. We take all the oil and gas events, put them in your inbox once a month. Don't try to sell you nothing. And then if you're like myself, Paige, or any of our experts to come speak, do a live podcast, maybe even a little polka dancing, let us know. We'd be happy to share the details.
1: Yeah, I know about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you know about getting out of here? Yep. Ready? Yep. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.